Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Aliza Kelly, and I am so thrilled to be joined by Emma Mumford. Emma is an award-winning life coach and mentor, best-selling author, Law of Attraction YouTuber, podcast host of Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast, and speaker. Emma's work helps women turn their dream life into an abundant reality using the Law of Attraction and Spirituality. Emma is a Virgo sun, Aquarius moon, and Aries rising. We love to see it. We love our Aquarius moons. We've been really on an Aquarius moon kick recently. Britney Spears, of course, as sort of like the the Aquarius moon of the moment. Um, But a lot of Aquarius moons out there shaking things up, yourself included. Emma, it is so lovely to meet you. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, Elisa. I'm so excited to be here and yeah, learn all about you. I'm excited. Thank you. So let's start off with talking about the law of attraction. What is it? How do you use it? Tell us about it. Of course. So the law of attraction is one of the seven laws of the universe. And most people have probably heard of the secret. They might have heard of Rhonda Burns, the secret many moons ago. Um, And I'm probably like, yeah, I hear about the law of attraction all the time, but I'm not sure what it is. So essentially it's that we are always co-creating our reality. So our thoughts, our words, our energy are always creating the reality that we live in. So essentially like creates like. So if you're putting out positive energy, you're going to receive that positive energy back. Or maybe if you're putting negative energy out there, you're going to receive that negative energy back. So as a really kind of simple, simple example for you, you know, we've all had those days where something annoying's happened and then we've gone and told somebody and then we've gone and told somebody else and then something else annoying's happened. So by the end of the day, we're just like, oh, just be one of those days where things have just happened. And then on the flip side, something positive has happened and we've gone and told people and we've gone and told another person and then something else positive happens. And then by the end of the day, we're like, oh, do you know what? Today's been my real lucky day. And this is the law of attraction in action. Our words, our thoughts, our energy create our reality. So traditionally there are three steps in the law of attraction. I personally believe that there's five um, from going along my journey over the last six years and manifesting and obviously helping people in my sessions, help people manifest as well. I definitely felt that the three original steps weren't comprehensive enough and didn't, didn't give it justice. I was, I was finding blocks. I was like, why am I hitting this block? Why aren't I manifesting all my wildest dreams? So I found that over time, those five steps really helped me more than the three original steps. So the three original steps are ask, believe, receive. That's what you hear in the secret. That's the kind of traditional stereotypical law of attraction steps. So I believe that 
one is ask. So the same as the original one. So putting your intentions out there, asking, and there's really no limit to what you can ask for. It could be how you want to feel. It could be physical things, emotions. Um, it could be love, a house, a career, a dog, a book, whatever. You could manifest absolutely anything, a free coffee, a bunch of flowers, whatever. Or maybe how you want to feel. Maybe you want to feel happiness or you want to feel peace. You can manifest absolutely anything, but you need to be clear. So if you want to manifest money, how much money do you want to manifest? If you want to manifest a partner, what does that partner look like? What are their characteristics? So it's really important to get clear. And you can do that through vision boards. You can do that through verbal asking, meditation, um, obviously like visualization, writing goals down. Um, there's no right or wrong with this. There are so many exciting things to explore and ways you can manifest. So definitely find what your manifesting superpower is and try them all. Like, you know, try different ways of manifesting. It's always fun to do that. And then the second step is believe, which is still the same as the original, but I like to take it that bit deeper. I don't think it's as simple as just believing the universe can serve it and that you can manifest it. I believe that really in this step, we look at any resistance that stands in between you and your desire. So if you, for instance, want to manifest love and suddenly in that belief step, you're like, oh, am I worthy of this? Maybe you've got some heartache from a previous relationship, which you're still needing to heal. So this is really the inner work step where we look at belief, we look at any resistance, any limiting beliefs or fears that may be in the way um, and moving through to that third step, which is trust. So this is a new step I've added in. And trust, I really feel is yes, trusting in divine timing, yes, trusting in the universe, trusting in the process, but also as well, it's where we take our inspired action. So if you want to apply, I'm sorry, if you want to manifest a dream career or a career move, you have to apply for the jobs. You've got to put yourself out there and make sure your CV, your resume is up to date, get yourself that outfit for that interview. You know, you have to take that inspired action and apply and go out and, you know, meet the universe halfway. I think a lot of the time people um, don't really realize it's a co-creation process with the universe. So you've got to go 50% of the way and the universe is going to meet you 50% of the way as well. So you don't need to go 90, you don't need to like go overboard, but also you don't want to go 10% and, you know, sit on your sofa and be like, I'm going to win the lottery and you don't even play the lottery. So you've got to take the inspired action and co create. So that's what happens in the third trust step. Fourth is letting go and surrendering. Again, another new step that I've added in. Again, until I learned this, I'd never surrendered in my whole life, honestly. Um, I didn't know what letting go and surrendering meant. I'm a Virgo son, like controlling is my nature. Um, so for me, like a big lesson along my manifesting journey has been to let go and surrender. And practice the art of non-attachment, definitely. So it's becoming okay with both outcomes, your desire happening and your desire not happening, but this or something better for the highest good of all. It's so important to say that with manifesting because the universe could have an even grander, bigger version of your life for you or your desire. And we just can't comprehend that in our human form. So it's always important to say that so that actually if something better is destined for you, you want what's meant for you. You don't want what's not meant for you. So it's always important to say that. And really in the let and go stage, it's about like incorporating joy, the acting as if process. So embodying the feelings and emotions of the version of yourself who has that desire and really relaxing into that place of receiving. And then moving on to the fifth step, which is obviously the traditional one, receive, which is all about, again, being grateful, appreciative of where you are not just rushing on to the next thing, you know, really taking your time to be present and allowing yourself to fully receive. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> 
it answers it perfectly. I have more questions though. Obviously, this is a podcast. So I have follow-up <laughs> questions to these. Namely, like I, I love that you embedded these other additional steps and processes into what manifesting is and what the law of attraction is and how to work with that as a concept. Mm -hmm. Um, so recently this concept, this term called shadow work has been coming up a lot. I see on social media, but this always happens there. Like, you know, having been in the spirituality space for so long, there are trends. There's like twin flames was really a big thing a few years ago. And I'm grateful for shadow work to be a big thing, much more grateful than the twin flames moment, because with shadow work, I recognize that we are sort of taking the tough stuff and wanting to discuss it. But for me, it's one of those other funny sort of like, okay, this is a nice buzzword because the shadow, what I think would technically be under the shadow work umbrella is so integrated into my work. Um, mm -hmm. that it doesn't even differentiate between manifesting and talking about trauma, talking about, um, our pain, talking about our, it, you know, it's our survival, right? Talking about survival and moving from like recognizing, are we still in a survival state or are we in a state where we can really be thriving? And what does thriving look like? And where would my trauma and pain and fear and anxieties perhaps prohibit um, this further development and maturation of self, of where I am in the world, of who I am in the world. So shadow work for me, I'm also uh, an eighth house stellium. So like shadow work for me is like really just the work. But I'm curious about like, where does, where have you found shadow work or that concept? Like how much does it play into your practice or the practices at large. And then mm -hmm. sub question, which might be too loaded to load into this question, which is on the topic of toxic positivity, you know, on the topic of like, when is it that you're doing all of the things or not getting results? And then it's kind of like a bypassing or it's like, where does privilege even fall into it? So actually I just gave you a lot of shit to unpack. So see whatever feels right. And we can circle back if needed. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love these questions because I think for me, I'm really passionate about those things. And I think they're not spoken about enough. And I think there's so many things out there that really are BS and that you know, stopped me in my manifesting process. Like I was, I read all these things. I absorbed all these things as well, because when I awakened, like that was the sources and tools and books and videos that were out there, right? Like that's what we all came across. So to start off with the shadow work, definitely I'd heard nothing about it probably until ooh, like three and a half years ago. So definitely for a good year and a half, I went along my kind of spiritual journey, spiritual awakening, law of attraction journey, just being like, all is well, positivity, love and light, all of this. And then ironically, um, I actually met, now I'm not someone who pedestals twin flames, don't get me wrong, but I am a genuine one who has gone along that journey. And I trust me, I do not recommend it to anybody. Um, it is a tough journey. And that real deep inner work that came up was really the, the start of that inner work for me where I learned about shadow work. And at first I was like, oh, that sounds really negative. Sounds a bit witchy. Oh, I'm not sure about shadow work. That sounds really negative. And I think that played 
into the toxic positivity of what, you know, is out there of like, oh, you don't want to like feel your feelings. Oh, you don't want to address your shadow. That's like a, you need to banish the shadow. When actually what I learned from some really good teachers and mentors I had was actually the shadow is always part of us. And actually we have those polarity energies, the yin, the yang, the masculine, the feminine, the, the sun, the moon, all these polarities. And actually we shouldn't fight the shadow. We need to heal and love the shadow. Our shadow is always going to be there. The, the lights that our higher self is always going to be there as well. So I think it was a really eye-opening practice for me to learn about the shadow self and actually not fear it. And that actually the fear and maybe stigma that I had there was just my own fear of going into the trauma work I had. You know, it was my own resistance of, oh, do I really want to unpack that on Pandora's box? Do I really want to go into that? So definitely, I think, at first it was more of like I saw it as separate as I learned about it as I went along my own healing journey and then really as I wrote Positively Well through my book as I cultivated these five steps I really realized actually these are all integrated like you say you know this is all part of one thing here and actually nobody is saying to do the inner work and the law of attraction sphere. People are using toxic positivity and they're saying love and light, just be positive. You must only think positive things. And I tell you what, that was the most, I guess, like damaging advice I ever got or ever absorbed because it wasn't allowing me to feel anything. And I would sit there and I would like be thinking all these positive things being like, right, I'm going to manifest all of this. And then I'd have all that shadow underneath, all those limiting beliefs, all that trauma underneath, like, you know, my inner child piping up underneath saying all these negative things. And I was like, bash it down, bash it down, F off, bash it down. I don't need you. And actually it was so unproductive because the more I did that, the more the inner child piped up, the more the resistance came up. And actually I wasn't really moving anything through me. I wasn't, should we say, having a consistent vibration because I was high one minute with positivity and then hitting that rock bottom with the, with the shadow side of things. So actually when I learned to witness my emotions, when I learned to embrace my feminine energy, when I learned that actually feeling is healing and that I could sit with these things and it wasn't going to just instantly manifest. Um, and, you know, actually honoring my feelings and fears and voicing that to a friend or voicing that to someone wasn't going to manifest. Actually, that was the most life-changing advice I got. And actually it allowed me to heal in a new way. It allowed me to really do the work and it allowed me to really be honest with myself and actually, you know, un start to unpack things genuinely and authentically. So for me, you know, even with my coaching practice, I started off with law of attraction four and a half years ago. Um, and now it's developed into like emotion work. It's developed into inner child healing, all because these are things that I went along in my journey and have helped me so much. And I feel so passionate about that. I was like, this is the missing link here. This is the missing key, which people just think it's ask, believe, receive. And actually we have to deal with the inner. We have to do like, it's all energy, isn't it? So if our energy is not aligning to that version of ourselves who is healed, who has that healthy relationship they want, or that healthy friendship, that healthy career from an aligned space, we have to become that version. And that is through healing. That is through dealing with our things and not suppressing things, definitely. So for me, again, when I learned about toxic positivity, it made so much sense to me because I was like, do you know what? It isn't all love and light. We live in a very dense world. The last year and a half, geez, it's been traumatizing for all of us as a collective. We go through things. We're human. We have our shadow self. It's not enough to just sit there and say, love and light, just be positive, think positive thoughts. And, you know, 
like I've I can hold my hand up and say when I first started my spiritual journey a friend would come to me you know we were both on our kind of spiritual path and you know she'd say to me you know Emma going through a really bad day and I'd be like you know just think positive because that's what we're all taught no we can't discuss the elephant in the room no we can't discuss you know that you actually have an issue or you actually have a problem that you want me to hear and see you with it was like no we must be positive and then obviously together we learned that that wasn't the way to support one another and we learned that you know actually feeling is healing and you don't want to suppress it down and I tell you what from doing that I'm able to move any triggered emotions or thoughts or anything so much quicker through me because I sit with it and I witness it and I'm like okay what is this trying to tell me here what's the message what's underneath that what is my inner child trying to tell me right now what is my trauma trying to tell me right now what do I need to give myself right now to be able to hear and see myself so when I do simple things like that it's a whole different energy because then it loses its power instantly over me. And then I might do some movement or I might go for a walk or I might ground myself or I might have a salt bath or I might do some EFT tapping just to kind of move that energy through me. And then I find that actually my comeback rate is so much quicker to a kind of neutral space, a happy space, because I'm addressing the things. I'm not suppressing it and suppressing and suppressing. So I'm definitely a big preacher of this, definitely, because I myself know the importance of it and I can see it through my clients and I can see it on a collective scale as well of like, like you say, all of these things. And even when I said earlier about, oh, it felt a bit witchy shadow work, you know, I actually ended up working with two witch authors through my author mentoring. And from reading their books, I was like, oh my God, I'm such a witch. I do this all the time. And I was like, do you know what? We even have to reclaim words like that. And there's just so much, isn't there, that we have to reclaim and we have to think actually... Yes, there is so much greatness in the wellness and self-help industry, but also there's a lot of stuff which isn't helpful. And there's also a lot of stuff that we need to maybe call the BS out on and actually think, is that the most aligned heart-centered thing? How does that feel to me? So I think, you know, my best advice is like, how does it feel to you? Even if my advice doesn't resonate with anybody, chuck it away, trust yourself, you know, like you are your biggest guru and biggest sat nav in life of your intuition. So not everybody's work is going to resonate with everybody. And that's the beauty of our world that we can have so many different people singing off the same hymn sheet, but different things are going to resonate with different people. Right. So I think that's what I would say about the, the toxic positivity side of things. And then talking about privilege as well, great conversation, because again, you know, I witnessed my white privilege here that I was clueless to it before Black Lives Matter. And obviously all these incredible, important conversations came up. And, you know, obviously there has been a lot of conversations about manifestation and privilege. And, you know, definitely I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, I'm still educating myself on these things, but I can absolutely witness how privilege does exist in manifestation because absolutely the opportunities that I would have, for example, are much easier to obtain than say Aisha, my black friend who I know. So I fully witness and also, you know, from being an author, um, and even my best friend Hannah's in a wheelchair. Um, she's a, she's white, but she's in a wheelchair. And even like planning my spiritual queen events, for example, I obviously have disabled followers. My best friend's disabled who's speaking on my stage. So I had to make sure that venue was fully accessible. And they were like, yeah, 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 fully accessible. So I booked it. 
And then further down the line, I'm like, okay, just want to triple check the toilets are accessible. Everything's accessible. Oh, well, no, there's actually a step going to the toilet. And I'm like, well, that's not fully accessible. I can't bring, you know, disabled friends, speakers and, you know, and people who are attending if it's not fully accessible. So again, like I fully witnessed that in terms of accessibility for disability, there is a lack of disability awareness in the wellness sphere. And obviously we're seeing positive movements and shifts in terms of, you know, Black Lives Matter and diversity. Absolutely. But again, it was a whitewash everywhere in the wellness sphere in terms of speakers, in terms of authors. Um, so it really makes me happy to see now more diversity and see these conversations coming to the table. But again, do I think I know the answers? Absolutely not. But I think it's one of those things that we can all have a conversation together with and learn, right? And to be like, okay, actually, how can I support people with manifestation in a way that is, you know, loving to them and loving to their background and loving to, you know, like educate ourselves and 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 bring more diversity on stages in, you know, in books, et cetera. I think it's so, so important. So hopefully I covered everything. Did I forget anything? No, you did an ex- excellent job. Excellent. I can't believe you did cover everything. I I want to thank you for your humility and for sharing your personal experiences about how the work was bypassing for you and how that was a process of bypassing and how you embodied that, or I should say did not embody it. Um, in an earlier episode of this podcast with my friend Charlotte, we talk about she actually makes this incredible point. We talk, we're talking about oppression. We're talking about systems of oppression. And I ask her, um, what do you think leads to this? You know, what is it about us as people where we can oppress in this way? And her answer was, um, disassociation, you know, disembodiment. And that I have chills just recalling it because it was sort of the, that was to me, I had been trying to integrate a lot of my own experience, um, my own privilege, my own traumas, you know, what it means to have the particular unique background that I have, just like everyone has their own particular unique background, you know, and I was really unpacking at that time, how a lot of my eating disorder, body dysmorphia, the criticism that came through my family, the standards placed on me, um, were this manifestation of white supremacy, right? And how I was living it every day by abiding by those expectations, you know, abiding by the expectation to have a body that wasn't actually mine, but made other people more comfortable. That made other people more comfortable when I was going through puberty, that made other people more comfortable if I was an adult woman in the world and really unpacking that on a personal level. And when Charlotte said that connecting, like, yeah, I was, I was actively practicing disembodiment every time I would deny my hunger. I was actively practicing it every time I would throw up my food. I was actively practicing it every time I would look in the mirror and tell myself that I was disgusting. You know, that was, um, my own internalized misogyny, my own internalized white supremacy that was imposed upon me, of course, but that I was living through an embodiment of allowing myself to be hungry, allowing myself to have a human body. That's my human body. That does what my human body does is I was a cataclysmic shift in my consciousness, right? Because then I'm like, okay, I'm more aware, right? I'm more 
I'm making active choices to be embodied. And when I'm more embodied, I can tolerate hard conversations more. I could tolerate hard conversations that people in the BIPOC space are telling me we need to have. I can tolerate them. I can tolerate um, discomfort. And I can also tolerate my own past that I had been walling off because it was really, really scary. Mm-hmm. You know, certain aspects of it, I'm like, th- you know, would be really easy to throw out because I had already kind of started to work through them in some capacity. And others, I were, I didn't even have the language for it. Mm-hmm. And in this process of embodiment and being present and really like learning how to develop my own internal strength to be able to show up for the work of, you know, of, of wanting to be an advocate for anti-racism, of wanting to be an advocate for um, those who are not just the you know, the, the able-bodied white person that has been the face of everything for so, so many decades and centuries, it has been really interesting to think, well, how does my manifestation and my magic practice tie back into mm-hmm. this? Right. Because, and then it also, you know, and here we are with Saturn and Aquarius and Jupiter at the time of this recording, just moved back into Aquarius thinking about, I'm not manifesting for myself. I'm manifesting for the collective. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm working with my intentions as a microcosm of what I really want for the highest good and what is going to serve others. And in some cases, that means I'm giving more than I'm getting. And in some cases, that means I'm redistributing, you know, and in some cases, it's like I'm using my platform for different things other than just self-promotion, you know, and recognizing that that isn't, those aren't um, deviations. That's all part of the work that's all part of the spiritual practice that's all part of manifestation that's all part of magic and being present in those um different showing up in different ways as a witch as a very as someone who's always been a witch and i so i just you know that's a very long-winded way of appreciating your humility and your grace in talking about your own story and your own blind spots mm-hmm. and also in the ways that you could recognize now from your vantage how this rhetoric can be very much like, oh, don't listen to that. That's bad. Don't listen to that. That's not good. And obviously, we've also seen that play out mm-hmm. in the face of the pandemic when a lot of people in the spiritual community have decided that love and light is going to be better than a vaccine, which is just like, shoo, mind boggling, right? Um, so, my next question for you is for someone who's really just getting started. What would you tell them? Um, how would you, you know, what are first steps for someone who is just beginning to dip their toes in this water and want to sort of be a co-creator of their own experience? Mm. And I think what I would say now is probably so different from what I would have said pre-COVID because I loved what you touched upon there in terms of your manifesting for the collective. I think there's so many people out there who are like, I want to manifest a Lamborghini. I want to manifest an eight-figure business. I want to manifest a mansion. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. If you generally heart-centeredly want those things, I'm going to support you. But in terms of what we need in the world, 
We need more people who, like you say, are manifesting for the collective, who are thinking outside of their own needs, like making sure your own needs are met. Of course, first of all, it's like in the airplane, you put your mask on first and then you help others, right? You need to make sure you are obviously like fed, have a roof over your head. Your needs are met first. Absolutely. But in terms of how you can really help the world and help the collective, especially with manifesting, is thinking about how is your desire impacting the collective? So for instance, that extra money you're going to manifest this month, how is that going to positively impact the collective. Well, say for instance, you're going to spend that money in a small business, for example, that's going to help somebody who's got their own business, put food on their table for their kids, you know, put a roof over their heads. It's going back into, you know, the kind of economy and stuff. Um, you know, another example of how could your, I'm just trying to think of a manifestation. How could your free flowers that you manifest positively impact the collective? Well, say for instance, your partner's going to go out. He's going to support another business. Again, he's going to bring them to you, which brings happiness and love into the home, which is going to make both of you smile and have a nice little energy in your home as well. So it's, you know, whether it's a small thing or a large thing, you know, again, your six figure business you want to start or whatever it is, how's that positively going to impact the collective? Is it about the money or actually is it about the people? How can you help people? How can your desires positively impact people and bring happiness to others as well? I think it's so important to think of this because again, I feel like there's a very one-sided conversation with basic law of attraction that's very, it appeals to the ego. The one reason why law of attraction is so appealing to people who just newly spiritual awaken is because of the ego. The ego is like, great, free cars, free money. <laughs> fame, everything, sign me up. And again, we all do it. And then we realize as we go along the journey, we're like, okay, this is way about more. We've got to do our inner work. We've got to think about the collective. So I think definitely think of what, thinking of our impact as well is a big conversation we need to have really in terms of manifestation now and moving forwards into this kind of new world as such, we have to think about these things, but to keep it really simple, because I feel like that was really heavy and that was like a really- No, no, I think that that's, I, I, I really appreciate that too, because I do think that, you know, mentioning the Lamborghini feels almost like an archetype. It feels like almost a trope of like the capitalist washed manifestation, you know, of like, manifestation equals objects, manifestation equals status, mm -hmm. manifestation equals fame and fortune and everything that goes with having this like Euro-American like dream, you know, of like mm -hmm. becoming rich and famous and like having then all of the accolades and objects and physical things that back that up, Absolutely. you know? And I went along this journey myself, like to be completely transparent. You know, I did all this when I made my vision board. I put a nice house on there. I put a Range Rover on there. I put a book deal on there. I put all these things on there, not necessarily money, but just like having a nice house, a nice car, etc. So I wouldn't say that my vision boards were particularly fancy. Um, it was just having nice things and aspiring to nice things. But what I realized was, was actually as I went along my law of attraction journey and manifested pretty much everything off my vision board. So I manifested the house I'm in. I manifested the book deals. I manifested the career success. I manifested selling my first business and having life-changing money to be able to get on the property ladder eventually. I did it all. I manifested relationships. And I got to that point where it was a day of selling my business and I'd manifested the perfect buyer at the price I wanted. And everything, I was like, great, you've manifested everything you want, Emma. Like, let's celebrate. Woohoo. Life is great. You can sit back and relax. 
And I felt like the same. And I was like, why do I feel the same? Like you've achieved everything. What's wrong? And the money hit my bank account and I transferred it straight out into obviously like investments and savings and different things. So within 10 minutes, my bank account was literally the same figure it had been before. And I thought, right, you're still the same Emma as you was 10 minutes ago. Like nothing's changed. And although selling my business was amazing and I'm so grateful for all the opportunities and all the things I have manifested in my life, like, of course I am. But I realized there was a big void within myself. And I realized that my version of wealth, which I thought was my version of wealth, was society's version of wealth. It was not my true version of wealth. So on the outside, everyone would have been like, well, Emma, you've got this perfect life. You have a really successful business. You have books, you have everything you've ever wanted. But on the inside, I had a really toxic relationship relationship that I was in. I was so deeply unfulfilled. I hadn't done any of my inner work at that point and I felt numb. So actually my true version of wealth was having a loving partner. My true version of wealth was having a happy home life and one day being a wife and mother. That to me is my true version of wealth. But I had to go along that journey and almost be like, don't get me wrong. I love my business. I love my career. And of course, those are true aspirations of mine, like to write books and things. But actually, when you strip it all back, that was not my true version of wealth. For some people, it will be. For some people, having a successful career or doing something or creating a charity or whatever will be their version of wealth. But it really kind of sparked this deep inner journey for me of identifying what does positively wealthy mean to us? How can we be positively wealthy? And how can we manifest sustainable wealth in all areas of our life? Like we need to maintain all areas to have that fulfillment as such. So yeah, I literally went along that journey. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I think that this is going to be really meaningful for our listeners because yeah, I mean, especially on Instagram. I mean, on all the platforms. Like now, I think TikTok has enough of the has enough significance culturally that we could say Instagram TikTok. Mm -hmm. It's really like when you see someone do a fifteen minute video where they're like, "I want this," snap your finger, and then the next cut is them having it. It's like, what the fuck, you know? Like, what the fuck? What the fuck is happening? How can they get that so easily? What is like? Can I do that? And I don't want to live in a society that does that. You know, I don't want to live where that is valued over community, where that is valued over helping others. Um, listeners know that my grandmother, who is turning 92 at the time of this recording, is a deeply important person to me. And just seeing how we disregard elders on a societal level, like, sorry, doesn't matter how much you fucking manifest, because if you live in a society that disregards you when you get to a certain age, no one gives a fuck, you know, nothing matters. If you don't have the physical body to be able to ride your fucking yacht, like you're selling your fucking yacht and then you're going into shitty healthcare regard. And then you have to liquidate regardless. Mm -hmm. So like, sorry, like this is where everything's borrowed, you know, nothing is owned. Mm -hmm. So we need to figure out ways to incorporate manifestation, incorporate magic and you know, law of attraction principles into not just short-term gratification. And I know that even thinking, well, I manifested it over four years or five years, like, sure. Yeah. That's not tomorrow gratification. That's not snap your fingers. But when we're talking about if you're lucky enough to live a long life, what's going to happen, there has to be mm -hmm. deeper spiritual, ethical principles, deeper values that transcend just, you know, boats and apartments and businesses mm -hmm. because 
that is not what consciousness is made of. You know, we're not born into this world being like, all right, baby, get me this penthouse. You know, like that obviously is something that we learn and challenging that is part of, I think, what the beauty of being a co-creator is, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, like I said to one of my good friends, Joe, who's my web guy, he's a complete muggle. I call him a muggle. Like anybody, like Harry Potter, muggle. Um, So like he always laughs at me. He's like, Emma, you're spiritual stuff. Like he's just there to do my coding. Um, And, you know, he came to me and he was like, I really need your advice. And I was like, okay, what's up, Joe? And, you know, we have these chats often. And he was like, you know, I really want to become a millionaire by next year. I've got six businesses I'm investing in. I've got this business mentor I've paid 20,000 pounds for. I was like, 20,000 pounds, Joe. I was like, you're about to have a baby. Like, are you okay, hun? Um, And he was like, you know, I just don't feel I'm getting the results that I expected. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I said to him and I knew he was kind of going through some issues at home of his wife and things. And I said, look, at the end of the day, Joe, what's going to be on your gravestone? It's not going to be that Joe owned six businesses, was a millionaire, had a nice house, all of that. I said, it's going to be loving husband, loving father and all of this. And I said, at the end of the day, is your personal wealth not more important than your kind of external, like you say, the kind of temperamental things like career, money, status, whatever. I said, like, why are you actually chasing your things? Like, what is your why? And he couldn't even tell me his why. And he said, you know what, Emma? He said, this hour's free chat I've had with you has been more beneficial than the £20,000 I invested in that mentor. And I was like, (laughs) you're welcome. But, you know, (laughs) you're welcome. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so important that we do have those conversations because, we do live in a society that promotes all of this. And like you said, the pressures you had as a teenager, I had them as well. Like we've all had them. And, you know, from different societies as well and cultures, there's a lot of pressure on like go to university, do this or whatever it is, whatever the pressure is. And I think it's about really honoring ourselves and obviously, you know, almost like breaking the molds, breaking the society, the societal norms and saying like, do you know what? Actually, to me, a loving family is my wealth. And that to me is the biggest university degree I could ever have. And then for another person, it might be like, well, actually, you know, creating a great cause that has helped some dogs or something is actually, you know, the the million pound business that I've always wanted. To me, helping those dogs is everything. So do you know what I mean? It's like everybody's going to have such a different version of what their true version of wealth is, but we have to identify that. And sometimes it's going down the wrong roads that we identify what the right roads are for us personally, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, this is a fabulous segue into one of the questions that I always ask guests, which is, what do you believe in? Oh, I like this. And I love how you said earlier, like, don't do the obvious. Because I was like, well, obviously, I believe in the law of attraction. <laughs> um, so I think what I believe in, oh, good question, is I believe in unconditional love. I believe in the universe. I believe that, you know, we all came from source creation. I believe we can co-create our realities. But I believe there's more we don't know. I never think like, when everyone's like, yeah, I think we've got it all figured out. I'm like, the universe is going to plot twist you. Like, seriously, we can never always have it figured out. So I think I believe that there are so many things that we don't know in this universe, which hope, you know, we might know in our lifetime, who knows, as the kind of journey unfolds and hopefully more people awaken and become connected to their emotions and heal and, you know, like become happier people. 
So what I'd love to believe in is that in our lifetime, we'll see that. I'd love to believe in that we'll see a happier world where mental health is more accepted, where people get the help they need. I'd love to see equality for all. I'd love to see all of these things. Um, Maybe it's naive to think that I'll see that in my lifetime, but hey, I can set the intention. We can all set the intention and hope for the best and obviously hold that vision. But I think what I believe in is actually that at the core, we are all one and we all have this capability of of unconditional love. And if we can return to that and if we can embody that as much as possible in this lifetime, I think the, the world would be a much happier place and a lot of us would be a lot happier. So I believe that we can heal. I believe that we can go through absolute adversity and come out the other end stronger. I believe that we can transform our lives. I believe we can go from nothing to everything we've ever wanted to be. I believe that we can achieve our wildest dreams. And I believe that, you know, everyone can be kind. I believe that everybody can you know, be the person they want to be and 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 be the change in the world as well that they want to be. So I don't know whether that's a good answer, but that's what I believe in. <laughs> I love that. That's a beautiful answer. Um, now, if you are open to it, I would love to pull a tarot card for you. Mm-hmm. And the way that my deck works best is with a question. Obviously, if you're like, I don't have a question, I want to see what the deck says, it might be a very odd answer. So I suggest that we do a question because that my deck likes that. So is there something that you would like me to pull a card for you on? See, I don't think I have a specific question. I'm always like, what do I need to know right now? That's why I always ask the cards. So I don't know whether that's specific enough for you. I think that it'll work. Yeah. Yes. I think that we can work with that. Obviously, like the more specific, the better. But I think what do you need to know right now? Um, and right now being at this moment, right now being this week, this season, what what time frame we'll should we season. be working with? We'll go season. Season. Yeah. So summer season mm-hmm. here in the Northern Hemisphere. So would you like me to work with pile one, pile two, or pile three? Pile one. Great choice. <laughs> okay. So what should Emma know this summer season? Um, what is something that she should keep in mind? And that is going to have relevance to whatever is going on in her life, uh, micro or macro. Ooh, okay. Seven of Cups. Ooh. So this is an interesting card because this is a card that's both fabulous and cautionary. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much, I mean, there are so many cups and each of them are filled with something really quite extraordinary. Um, We have, you know, a some sort of like delicacy in this one. We have a wreath of status, very Olympian, very summer Olympics, but we also have a house, but we'll recognize this house in a later card, the tower card as the one that crashes after a lightning strike. And, you know, these snakes and serpenty demons aren't necessarily like the best of friends for us. So this card, when this comes up, it says, be careful, you know, be careful that what your This is like the warning of manifestation, right? You're obviously attracting a lot right now. So just be careful that something isn't, um, you know, if something smells fishy, it might be fishy. You know, if something seems too good to be true, too fast, too sort of like everything is taken care of, it might be a house that ends up getting struck by lightning later on in the deck. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? 
So just like proceed with caution, be careful because there is a lot that is, you are, you have a lot of opportunities right now. And that's a great thing. Hard stop. However, <laughs> like there are also some opportunities that might be too neat and too sort of slick and that might have consequences if everything isn't really carefully calmed through to make sure it's the right fit. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, definitely. Makes total sense. Cool. I mean, I have definitely encountered that problem in my own manifestation practice. Um, I'm a very powerful witch and manifestation is like the gen pop word for spell work, mm -hmm. right? So I, in my spell work, in my manifestation, I really try to make sure that I don't bring in, like I just did a manifestation surrounding the full moon in Aquarius about opportunity. And the next day, all of these wonderful opportunities came through my inbox and literally all of them fell through. <laughs> So I was like, okay, great, great, great. Opportunities that work out. Yeah. Like opportunities that deliver, <laughs> bitch, obviously. So yes, I mean, it's it's funny how we are always sort of being like tricked uh, in language, tricked in our intentions. My last question for you is how does magic show up in your life? Mm. I think magic shows it, but like, obviously I'm presuming everyone's like manifestation, law of attraction. She's going to say that I'm not, I'm going to go with a different, a different answer. I think magic shows up in my life in some of the most subtle ways. I feel like the most magical moments of my life are not the big grand things. It's not the big things or the big manifestations. It's sometimes actually the most subtlest things ever. And actually sometimes the things that I don't expect, sometimes the things that I don't see coming, sometimes the things that I've got no idea in the universe surprised me with are actually the most magical. So I think my advice would be for anybody like, don't always think it's obvious. The universe surprises us. The universe, well, definitely it surprises me. It's like she knows she she knows stuff is coming. We have to surprise her. So, you know, like the universe can surprise us at any point. And I think look for the magic in the small things, look for the magic in the small everyday things, because they always equal the bigger things. Um, and you know, those things that sometimes you're not sure about, you're like, Oh, what's that? That surprised me. I wasn't expecting that. Sometimes it could be the most magical things ever. So I think like trust the universe, trust the magic that's showing up in your life. And sometimes it could be the most subtle things ever. I love that so much, Emma. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I really appreciate your time and your honesty and your vulnerability. All of it has been so healing, so inspiring. So where can we continue to find you and get to know your work and your practice? Of course. So you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, any of the social media platforms at my handle at I am Emma Mumford and also on my website, emmamumford.co.uk. But thank you, Elisa. It's been so much fun. I've loved it. Thank you so much.